Wedge Issues is brought to you by the Cap Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. You can find tickets at captimesideafest.com. We are finally on the other side of Wisconsin's 2018 primaries for governor, U.S. Senate, and a handful of other congressional and legislative races moving forward into November with no time to spare, already jumping into general election madness. Tony Evers, the state superintendent of public instruction, won the eight-way Democratic primary for governor, and state senator Leah Vukmir emerged from a two-way primary for the U.S. Senate on the Republican side. We'll be talking about those races and more in just a minute. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. We'll be right back. I am here as usual with Eric Lawrenson, Cap Times tech reporter and podcasting guru. How's it going, Eric? It's going great. How are you? You I'm must be doing all right. Yeah, you're on the other side of primary season. Yeah, I know you're staring down. The, like, <laughs> I don't know the what do you call these? Just the regular election Just season. Just the, the regular, main, the big, yeah. The, the big election. The big one. The big one. Yeah, yeah. about three months to go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're already pretty much in high gear. One journey ends and another begins. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the journey that just ended. I, I guess the big race to talk about first and foremost would be the gubernatorial race for the Democrats. As you mentioned in your intro, Tony Evers, state superintendent for public instruction, he, he won as um, polls like the, the Marquette poll were projecting. You know, he seemed to have a pretty solid lead in, in those polls. Um, but yeah, he came down with 41 percent of the vote, 41.7 percent of the vote. There's another big difference between Scott Walker and me. He started his reign of terror as governor with divide and conquer. I think you remember that. We believe, we want, all of us want a better Wisconsin. I believe what unites us is stronger than what divides us. I believe we're better off when we work together. Coming in second, Neilan Mitchell had 16.4% of the vote. Uh, in third, Kelda Royce had 12.8% of the vote. Is this a victory you'd describe as a commanding victory, given how big the Democratic field is? It seems like a pretty solid, handily won race to me. I think it's pretty solid. I think it gives Democrats a good... Um foundation in terms of rallying behind the the winning candidate. I think there were some concerns early on when the field was as large as it was that someone could win this election with a relatively low percentage of the vote. Forty some percent is pretty solid given the the eight person field and given that that was still double digits ahead of the the second and third place candidates. So no big surprises there. Um, I think most people that you would have talked to before the election would have said if anyone was going to give Tony Evers a run for his money, it would have been Malin Mitchell or Calderoy's. And so we saw that with them coming in second and third. But it was a distant enough second and third that I think Tony Evers can feel solid about that victory. And, you know, all signs are pointing to that Democratic field rallying behind him in the months going forward. Well, let's talk about this guy, Tony Evers. Um, So the very last episode 
of the wedge issues featured in an interview with Tony Evers. So I would suggest to any listeners who want to get to know this guy who is now the Democratic nominee for governor, I would recommend going to check out that interview to get to know him a little bit more. But Jesse, what would you say are the big takeaways? What should people know about Tony Evers? So Tony Evers is 66 years old. He grew up in the Plymouth area, which is, uh, he'll remind you, the cheese capital of the world. Um, he and, and he did. And he did times. remind us of that. Yeah, um, he actually made a stop there um, pretty much immediately after winning the nomination. Uh, so he grew up in, in Plymouth in the Sheboygan area. He has lived in different parts of the state, um, central area of the state, Oshkosh, um, has spent most of his adult life in, in more recent years in the Madison area. He was a teacher. He went through administration. He served as deputy state superintendent. And since 2009, he's been elected three times to serve as the state superintendent of public instruction. Uh, he's he's a nice guy. Everybody looks at him as kind of like the nice Boring guy. Not that our, our governor who tweets pictures of his ham sandwiches doesn't also have a reputation for being a little I bit boring. I was just thinking about it's going to be nice, boring man it's number two, one yeah. versus nice, boring man number two. But but Tony Evers doesn't seem too worried about that. He kind of laughed it off uh, immediately after winning. Um, but yeah, you know, no, no one really campaigned negatively against him within the Democratic field. And I think that's a sign of the respect that his uh, competitors at the time had for him. And uh, it seems like this race, at least early on, is going to be a debate about public education because that's where Tony Evers and Scott Walker have sparred before um, with the two of them is serving in the offices that they do. Um, so that's that's an issue that Tony Evers cares a lot about. His slogan, I'm going to paraphrase, is basically what's best for kids is what's best for everyone. Um, and, and so that's going to be a theme for him. Yeah. Well, tell me about the what is already happening in the Tony Evers versus Scott Walker race. I understand that the GOP has already bought airtime for a negative ad about Tony Evers regarding this, I I guess, controversy story that has sort of been, you know, uh, something that Republicans have turned to certainly throughout this race in terms of, you know, being a point of criticism for Tony Evers. Yeah, so very quickly, the Republican Party was ready to go with an ad, assuming that Tony Evers would be the nominee. I'm sure they had a few other things ready just in case. But um, this ad is centering on a controversy is probably the right word. A few years ago in the Middleton Cross Plains School District, a middle school teacher got in trouble for looking at um, sexually explicit pornographic images on his school computer. Um, there was a whole host of questionable activity. There's a whole report out there that you can read if you really want to get into it. But um, basically, you know, some people wanted him fired. And the take from the Department of Public Instruction, uh, um, which was being led by Tony Evers at the time, was state law says that you can fire someone for immoral conduct that connects with students, but viewing pornography on a school computer didn't technically meet that definition at the time. So Tony Evers and DPI argue they were not able to fire this teacher. Um, Scott Walker and his campaign and, and the Republican Party say they should have gone above and beyond and gone to court over it, basically. Um, what ended up happening was the legislature and DPI worked together after that to change the definition under the law so that in future cases, this would be something that a teacher could be fired for. Um, but this has been the main line of attack against Tony Evers since he entered the race. Um, it will probably continue to be a theme. RPW immediately went up with an ad talking about this, which we can take a listen to a couple seconds of here. 
Yet, despite calls from parents and school officials, Tony Evers sided with the union and refused to revoke the teacher's license. As superintendent of public instruction, Tony Evers is supposed to keep our children safe. But he didn't. Um, they're not the only ones to have gone on the air. Um, Scott Walker has also put up a new ad. He's been putting up ads throughout the course of this primary. And the Democratic Governors Association, or a group backed by them, also put up an ad um, on behalf of Tony Evers, sort of introducing him to the state and putting him in contrast to Scott Walker. Yeah, rubber meets road for yeah. ad campaign season. And in the meantime, Scott Walker, uh, Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish, the Lieutenant gubernatorial nominee Mandela Barnes and Tony Evers are all barnstorming the state, um, holding rallies, trying to get things going already. Certainly we're going to be talking, you know, it's not going to be all about putting Scott Walker in a box and say, telling everybody he's a horrible man. You know, we're going to hold him accountable for what he's done wrong. But this race is going to be about things that people, people in Wisconsin want to return to their roots and, and you know, it's going to be about compassion. It's going to be about kindness. It's going to be about the issues that they think are important. That's what's different this time. We're going to have a positive vision for the future. And people know it's time for a change. Let's shift gears and talk about another race. Let's talk about the Senate race this this year, which um, there was a pretty heated race between Leah Vukmir and Kevin Nicholson. And in the end, Vukmir emerged as the, the victor. She did. She ran about five or six points ahead of Kevin Nicholson, and she followed a path to victory that we've seen Scott Walker follow in his 2010 primary campaign, and we saw Ted Cruz follow in his 2016 presidential primary win against Donald Trump, and that is doing well in the suburban counties around Milwaukee, the so-called WOW counties, um, and a handful of other counties throughout the state, which are known to be Republican powerhouses, really conservative Areas. Um, so Kevin Nicholson outperformed her in a lot of counties throughout the state, but at the end of the day, she turned out Republicans where it mattered most for them, and that was in that wow area around Milwaukee. And as, as heated of a primary as it was, and it did get pretty heated between the two of them toward the end, uh, within 24 hours of the results coming in, Kevin Nicholson also came out supporting Leah Vukmir, just as we've seen the Democrats do in the gubernatorial race. Um, he's Given her his support, will send his followers and his supporters her way, and we'll likely see the Republicans coalescing around her as well. Uh, something interesting to watch for is uh, the money that was spent in that race. There was a lot of money spent by Richard Uline on Kevin Nicholson's behalf. He could be a big player in the general election, but the question is, is he going to put more money in for Leah Vukmir when she wasn't the candidate that he backed in the first place? All right. And moving right along, let's talk about the uh, first congressional district, which was a highly scrutinized race, given that it is Paul Ryan's district, soon to be former district. And ultimately, iron stash, uh, Randy Bryce ended up beating Kathy Myers, uh, his opponent in the Democratic primary there. Uh, that's right. So uh, no surprises in the Republican primary. Brian Stile, the candidate who Paul Ryan backed and um, came and campaigned for at the end, won that race pretty handily. On the Democratic side, it was assumed that Randy Bryce would win. He was the early favorite. He had more money. He had more national attention. He had more endorsements within Wisconsin. Uh, but that race, you know, Kathy Myers did a, a pretty formidable job of catching up to him and getting some more attention, raising some more money. So it, a, another pretty heated primary, especially in the in the final weeks. Randy Bryce won with about 60 percent of the vote to Kathy Myers, about 40 percent. 
And just as we saw with the nicholson vukmir dynamic uh, the next day after it was announced that Randy Bryce had won, Kathy Myers put out a statement essentially saying, you saw how fired up we were going at each other. We're going to coalesce that energy to go after Brian Stile. Um, that district, it's hard to say whether it will get the same amount of attention as it really did when Speaker Ryan was the target. You know, this is just a proxy for him at this point. But, um, you know, certainly Democrats nationally do see it as a potential pickup. So it'll probably still get some national money and national attention. Sure. I mean, what a story for Paul Ryan's old district to go blue or if that I mean, if that were to happen. Right. So could you tell me a little bit about Brian Steele? I legitimately do not know a lot about him. Um, Randy Bryce, Kathy Myers, both guests on our podcast. Um, Brian Steele, not a guest on the podcast, but also just a mystery to me. <laughs> what's his, what's uh, his deal? So he is a, a member of University of Wisconsin System Board of Regents. He is a corporate attorney and he was once upon a time Paul Ryan's driver. Um, but he's been a somewhat long-term fixture in the Janesville area. He's pretty well known to folks there, especially in Republican circles. There was really no question once he got in that he would probably receive the backing of not only people in the district, but anyone who'd been thinking about running uh, for that race. He pretty much cleared the field when he got in um, and he somewhat easily secured Paul Ryan's endorsement after no one else uh, followed him. Um, you know, there, there were a couple other Republican candidates who had already gotten in the race who would have challenged Paul Ryan uh, if he had stayed in. That was uh, Nick Polsey, who is a uh, military veteran. Um, don't know a whole lot about him, but he had a small small pool of support. And then uh, Paul Nealon, who uh, is somewhat infamous for having gotten kicked off Twitter for making anti-Semitic and uh, racist comments. Um, he ran against Paul Ryan previously, got about 16% in that race, and he, this time around, got about 11%. So um, since he has been outed for some of those uh, white nationalist tendencies, his support has gone down in the district. That as you, will, as you might think. That'll happen. <laughs> that'll happen. So let's take a step back and just look at this election as a whole, we did not anticipate there to be great voter turnout, it being a primary election. So what did turnout end up looking like? It was actually pretty good. It was about 22%. On average, over the last, I think, 10 years, it's been about 15% per primary partisan primary election. Um, so not bad. And what was interesting and not a huge surprise, I think, given the enthusiasm that we've seen from Democrats uh, since Donald Trump was elected, we've heard talk about enthusiasm and a potential blue wave. Probably everyone expected Democrats to turn out a little bit more than Republicans, but more than 530,000 Democrats voted in their partisan primary compared to more than 450,000 Republicans voting in their primary. And while that's maybe not super noteworthy on its face, what is interesting is just the amount of money that was spent on that Republican primary. Money-wise, that primary really overshadowed what was going on in the gubernatorial race. Um, but at the same time, maybe having those eight, it's at 1.10 candidates on the Democratic side running around the state actually helps them out a little bit in terms of attention and enthusiasm. But um, I think that's something that you're going to hear more from Republicans about going forward as they're trying to energize their base saying, you know, look how many Democrats showed up. You know, I, I will make one observation, which is that the careers of two fairly prominent Democratic politicians are a 
presumably over after this. I'm talking about Paul Soglin and Kathleen Feinhout. They both said that they're going to retire from politics, or they said they said prior to the election that this is their last hurrah. You know, if they don't win this, they're retiring from their current positions in the in the state senate and as the city of Madison's mayor. I don't know. It just it strikes me that's you know two prominent politicians' careers sort of seemingly coming to an end. Seemingly. Um, this is interesting. So Kathleen Vinehout did say, you know, she her Senate seat is up for uh, re-election this year, and she's not running for it. So she said, and as she put it, this was for all the marbles. Mm-hmm. So this is ostensibly the end of her political career. Paul Soglin said he was running for governor and said he wouldn't run for re-election as mayor. But when reporters asked him on election night if he has any plans to run for office again soon... He didn't say yes, and he didn't say no. No, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you plan to run for office ever again, or what are your next steps? That's that's not something I'm thinking about, and I don't know what's next. So we will see what the future holds for longtime Madison Mayor Paul yeah, Soglin. Yeah, possibly an umpteenth term as the city of Madison. <laughs> We've all mayor. lost count. Yeah. Yeah, um, just not this time around. So we'll see what happens next for him. Well, Jesse, I bid you adieu um, on your journey into the world of the big end, the the November election and the campaign season leading up to that. That's right. Uh, We'll be back next week with some takeaways from a story I've got coming out soon on what young voters are thinking about in different parts of the state. Uh, took a little road trip. Yeah, you went out to Eau Claire, right? To yeah, talk to, yeah, Eau Claire and Oshkosh, um, two similarly sized cities with a millennial-ish population of a upward of 30%. So um, had some fun, checked out the hot spots, met a lot of really interesting people, and we'll be sharing some of those insights in the next episode. Very cool. Well, thanks as always for having me on. Thanks for being here, Eric. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every Friday with new episodes, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you have any ideas, feedback, or suggestions, you can tweet at me at Opie or email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at madison.com. You can also leave a rating or a review on our podcast hosting sites. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and we will see you next week. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by the Cap Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. You can find tickets at captimesideafest.com.